Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode five of High Character. We are here today to recap the series that UMass just played against LIU, where they took two games on Friday and Saturday, the first one six to three, and the second one three to one. Uh, my name is Cameron, and I'm here with my good pal, Evan. Evan, how's it going, man? Not too bad, not too bad. Um, feeling pretty good, you know, two dubs. Can't complain about that. Um, just looking forward to get into this episode. Yeah, this is... Uh, obviously good for UMass to get um, to get two wins this weekend. We're going to break down each game in a little bit, but uh, just wanted to get our thoughts out on the series as a whole. So I, I think we're both kind of in agreement that we're happy with the wins, but maybe a little, little bit underwhelmed with UMass's performance as a whole. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a weird series. I think, you know, when we were doing our series preview, we were expecting crazy seven nothing wins you know because that kind of seemed like what was on the docket for LIU in the previous couple of games well even not the couple of games that they played because they actually won those games but overall through the course of the season when they're playing against highly ranked opponents they tend to get creamed and we didn't really see that like we saw fairly comfortable wins I'd say but mm-hmm. it, it wasn't a case where I was worried that we would lose but I don't think we were as dominant as we could have been yeah I think so too and yeah, like you said, not necessarily a, a scare in either of the games, but not sitting back, enjoying everything at the same time. So, yeah, um, yeah I guess we'll just get into the recaps. So uh, first game on Friday was the the Pink the Rink game, and this was the game with uh, pretty bad weather before. So uh, we noticed the, the non-student section seats at Mullins were very empty. We weren't able to make it um, just – uh, mostly students for that game and uh, UMass came out very strong it was a um, dominated period by them whole lot of pressure up until the first goal of the game which was the classic frozen four connection Bobby Trevino to Garrett Waite yeah I mean it was a good look from what I remember from yesterday I mean one thing that I kind of noticed about Waite and I mean he kind of broke away from this mantra in the second game but he tends to just score tappens like that's that's his game is right in and around the crease and like that worked out really well, I think, on this play. If I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure it was one of those plays. Um, yeah, it, it was. And he's kind of sliding into that Gisevich, uh kind of role, the Pritchard role that we've seen in the past of just being in great positions right in front of the net. Yeah, no, I, I like that comparison a lot to Gisevich. I mean, just the way that he can just kind of hang around the net and just put pucks in that area. I mean, you, you all, every good team needs that type of player. And I think he's really fitting into that, that role really well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, and then, yeah, so uh, that was the goal from from Waite. And then pretty soon after, uh, just an absolute snipe from from Ufko from the point. And that definitely excited us because I think we've seen some some vastly improved play and really good play from Ufko of late. Yeah, I mean, Ufko was really – I mean, I noticed this in the Lowell game as well. I mean, he can really be shifty along the point. Um, kind of similar to Morrow. I mean, maybe not as flashy, but I'd say definitely as effective and as efficient as Morrow. Like, he can definitely make moves and create space for himself. I mean, he's a pretty solid skater, really good hands, and he just kind of found an opening and just ripped it. I mean, I think we had a couple guys in front on that play, so, I mean, it, it kind of makes the goalie's life a, a little tough, and, you know, it's really good to just kind of capitalize on those sorts of opportunities. For sure. Um, yeah, so that made the score 2 nothing for UMass. And then uh, down at the other end, LIU scored what was a pinball goal uh, shot from the point off of the back of 
Moro, and yeah. uh, definitely wouldn't blame Murray on that one. It seemed like uh, the puck was going to be two feet wide, and it just went in. But uh, it's kind of a bad luck pinball goal against UMass. Yeah, you know, you definitely can't blame Murray at all on that sort of goal. I mean, there was bodies out in front. He really couldn't see the puck that well. But, I mean, even for the brief moment that he could have saw the puck, it was going about five feet wide. I don't think anybody would have expected that sort of bounce to hop into the net. I mean, he looked so confused at the end of that goal. He's sitting there like, how the hell did that go in? So, I mean, and we were kind of thinking the same thing when we watched it. Yeah, we were. And uh, it didn't take long for uh, for UMass to answer again in the first uh, – Right, be- right before they scored their third goal, um, Bobby took a puck to uh, to the slot, and he looked like he had Kessel wide open for um, the pass in the slot for the open net. He ended up taking the shot on the goalie, um, ended up freezing the puck. Uh, you could see Kessel kind of look to the ceiling a little bit, but immediately after that, maybe three, four minutes, same exact play happens, and Bobby uh, connects with Kessel for the wide open goal, and it was really cool to watch. Yeah, no, you have to put those types of chances away. I mean, for those keeping track at home, that's already Bobby's third assist of the game. Like, yeah, you're going to hear his his name a lot more as the show goes along. I could probably Yeah, it, it. I mean, Kessel was the guy that scored the goal, but I mean, just Bobby up until this point was just dominating almost everything. Like, his speed was insane. His hands were insane. His vision to see guys, obviously, you know, not, not on that one play that you referred to about a minute ago, but, I mean, in every other case, he was almost picture perfect, and Kessel had a I wouldn't say an easy chance, but I mean, he was wide open slightly over to the left in the slot and put it, I think right underneath the goalie's glove. It was Mm -hmm. a wonderful shot from a really good opportunity. Right. And like you said, Bobby dominated this period of three points. UMass dominated the period as a whole. And uh, for UMass and UMass fans together, it seemed like this was how the rest of the series was going to go. Um, That's how the period ended. And as we move to the second, um, UMass is still dominate, dominating the zone time, but uh, kind of got a little bit sloppier and chippier. There were there were parts where uh, possession was kind of up in the air, but there were also parts where UMass looked like they were um, on the power play at times. And then uh, at one point in the second, the, the defense kind of broke down uh, and allowed a, a three-on-one that led to a goal for, for LIU to make it 3-2. Yeah, I mean, this was, I think, probably about eight minutes into the period, if I remember correctly. Um, it was basically a case where you just have a three-on-one, and I forget who was back playing defense on the play, but basically, I mean, this is probably what Carvel tells his guys to do, but he was playing the pass the whole way and basically just allowed Murray to focus on the shooter. And it seemed like Murray was kind of cheating over to his short side a little too much, and it was Jack Quinn somebody that I actually mentioned oddly enough for no reason at all last episode in the preview um, he ended up being the one scoring the goal and he just sniped it far post. Like it was a good shot. Don't get me wrong, but I I'm personally of the opinion that Murray should have done better there, but it's a goal. Nonetheless, it was a great shot. Yeah. I, I think that's where my opinion differs a little bit. I, I mean, Murray, Murray to me seemed to be set out to dry on that one. And, uh, just wanted to mention it. It did seem like that play was set up with a hand pass in the neutral zone. Obviously um, didn't cost too much in the end, but I just noticed that. And uh, yeah, that, that goal made it three to two. And uh, that's how it stayed until near the end of the, the second period when uh, there was a very weird moment when uh, play just kind of went to a review and nobody really knew what was going on. They ended up uh, coming back out, calling a major penalty on LIU 
putting about a minute and a half back on the clock. Um, and then uh, that we were on the power play at the time. So that actually gave UMass a five on three. And then uh, Lopina immediately scored on that power play. Yeah, really solid opportunity. I mean, we were absolutely dominating the zone at that point. I mean, it's pretty expected to see on a five on three, but just Lopina just kind of found this weird little pocket on the side of the net. Puck managed to find him. I think it was Morrow that sent it over to him and just an easy tap in. I mean, he basically just roofed it on the guy, you know, five feet away. You really can't miss those sorts of opportunities. And I mean, good on Lapina to kind of be there. Like it, he's, he's smart enough to kind of know those areas around the net and to get dirty, greasy goals like that. So right. great, great chance all around. Right. And outside of that, that goal on the five on three, um, I, had, I, t- I wrote down, it wasn't a, a great period for UMass. I think there were some, some shining moments. Uh, we talked about a, a, a nasty shift from Taylor McCarr, if you want to get into that. Yeah, I mean, he was he was just playing with a lot of energy at that point. I was really impressed with just the way he was forechecking. He was just playing, you know, very intense. I would, I would say he was playing pretty smart as well. I mean, he was just following the puck very well. I've always talked about it, you know, at least, you know, for the past week that we've been doing the podcast so far. I mean, his, his skating is pretty good for a guy of his stature. So, I mean, for him to be that big body and just chase around the puck like a rabid dog, like it's, it's a good thing to see. And, yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the play, he ends up snagging the puck, and I think he drew a tripping call, which, I mean, is just being able to kind of have that 45 seconds in the ozone like that, just chasing around the puck, finally getting rewarded, you know, to get the puck and then to draw a penalty. Great thing to see. Right, and that was the, the minor penalty that, uh, that led to the, the power play that Lopina's goals got scored on. Um, and Bobby, with another assist for that Lopina goal that we mentioned, um, his his passing in this game was just as good as it gets nasty watching him out there. Yeah, phenomenal, I'd even say. Like, it, it looked almost NHL level, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, just his ability to dominate the zone like that. Nobody could take the puck off of him that night. And, uh, yeah, so that, that moved the game to the third. There was a good three and a half minutes of uh, the major penalty that LIU still had to serve. And they actually killed it pretty well. They kept this game at, at four to two. And then uh, quickly after that, a, a, a bad UMass defensive effort led to another odd man goal for LIU. Yeah, I mean, this, th- this is where it kind of, you know, it, it worried me a little bit, I feel like. Like, we had a couple of defensive breakdowns in – I th- and to give credit to LIU, I mean, we were kind of, I wouldn't say ragging on them, but I mean, we, we knew that, you know, UMass should beat these guys pretty handily, but they kept it close. I mean, credit to them for capitalizing on their opportunities. They, they didn't really get a whole lot. I'm pretty sure they had maybe 13 shots total that game. And if I'm going off of memory here, you might want to fact check me on that. I'm pretty it's, sure yes, it's 13. 13, 13 shots on net and they put away three of them. Like one of them granted kind of a fluke tip in front of the net, whatever. The other two though, pretty legitimate chances and they put them away handily. So credit to LIU there. I mean, you really can't complain. Right. I think uh, we talked about it after this game, not many chances that UMass gave up, but LIU really made them count when they got them. Um, Two really high quality chances on odd man rushes. And then the, um, the kind of pin pinball goal that we discussed before, but, definitely took advantage of what they got. Um, and yeah, that was definitely a time in the game where starting to sweat a little bit because not a place that uh, UMass should be as the 10th best team in the country uh, to a program in their second year. But 
Um, it's what happened. And then uh, UMass ended up uh, really sealing the deal with a really nice Cal Cafuke goal. He uh, picked the corner, popped the, popped the water bottle on top of the goal, and it was very nice goal from him. Yeah, I mean, going off of memory, I'm not, I don't remember if this was a case of getting just like a turnover. Basically, it's like a, a crappy errant puck out of the corner that he just kind of capitalized on. But he finds himself basically in the high slot. I think he had an opportunity to pass over the side. He ended up looking over. I think he ended up looking the pass away and just absolutely sniped at top bins. Like, it was unbelievable. Like, bottle, water bottle popped. Everybody in the crowd popped off. Like, it was just, it was, a, it was, it kind of sealed the deal, I feel like. That was yeah. one of, that, that was what we would call a dagger in this business, I believe. <laughs> yes, that was definitely the dagger into LIU. And then uh, further sealing the deal, Bobby, again, getting on the score sheet with the empty net goal with five seconds left. So that made it 6-3. And that was the final, which uh, in a game where UMass made us sweat a little bit more than we would have liked for uh, for the opponent that we played, but still pretty solid effort. You love to see six goals any day. Um, just the one harp would be maybe, maybe limit those really good odd man rush chances that we saw from LIU. Yeah, that's definitely my key takeaway from the game. Because, I mean, if you, if you want to, you know, if, if we're national champs, you know, like defending national champs, you've got to be able to limit those sort of opportunities because if we make the frozen four, that's exactly the type of stuff that other teams are going to capitalize on as well. Mm. You know, you, that's the number one thing that you want to limit is really high quality chances. And if we can't do that against a pretty crappy team and, you know, reference to pairwise, it's not, it's not a great look for us. And that's something that we're definitely going to have to clean up if we want to, you know, be really elite come April or, you know, I guess late March. Right. You make a good point there. And uh, um, seems like Coach Carvel's thinking along the same lines. He uh, he said after the game, I didn't think we were hard enough above the puck for the goals and a few other times during the game, but otherwise a pretty solid effort. And I think that that really sums up the game here. Just need to be a little bit more proactive on those those pucks in the neutral zone that led to odd man rushes against. You know, I definitely agree. You want to move on to the second game now? Yeah, sure. So uh, um, I think before we get more into this period too, we, we should mention that uh, Murray did not start this game. Murray, uh, Matt Murray started the first game, um, let up the three goals, which weren't entirely entirely on him. But, uh, but Pavisic uh, did get the nod in this one, his first career start in college, uh, which is really cool. And I think he's deserving of a chance, but – you and I were actually quite surprised hearing this before the game started. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah, we were a little bit surprised because I feel like what, what ended up happening in reference to the starting goalie didn't necessarily match what Carvel was saying pregame. I mean, it, he Carvel was always kind of of the opinion that it's Murray's net until he loses it. Yeah. If you look at the stats and you see three goals on 13 shots, not a good look. But I feel like in the context of the game, he was hung out to dry a little bit. Like one of the goals, extremely unfortunate. The other one, I'm personally of the opinion, could have been on Murray. You differ, Cam, and that's completely fine. I think it's one of those gray area goals. I completely understand. And the third one, I was a straight up cross crease on an odd man rush. That's It's a tough situation. I don't care if you have Marc-Andre Fleury in that. Like that's, that's a tough situation for any goalie. So I, I think that it was a little weird that Pavisic was in. But you look at the scoreboard, it's a 3-1 victory. He had 28 saves, I'm pretty sure. Damn good performance from him, and I couldn't be prouder. It really kind of settled my nerves when it came to, you know, 
he was a backup guy, didn't have a lot of playing experience, but he, he really calmed me down, and I'm really starting to be of the opinion that he is the guy for the future. It yeah, is only I, one game, but we'll see. Right, and it's still against LIU, so take it with a grain of salt. But I think, I think the um, the decision had not so much to do with Murray as it did uh, with the timing and the opponent. So after after UMass wins the first game, I guess you have a little bit more uh, cushion underneath you to maybe take this risk uh, of the goalie change, and it it did end up working well tonight. So uh, kudos to Carvel to getting him in, and I. I think we could look for for him to get a start or two here or there for the the last eight games of the regular season. Yeah, I'm actually just to I ended up just checking out Twitter right now and the um the game summary was just posted for this win that we're currently discussing. And there's actually a quote by Carvel. It says that he's really proud of the team, the very solid effort by the guys. Um, he thought that Luke Pavisic did a nice job in his first game. He was saying that sweeps aren't easy, and he's extremely proud of the team. And that's three wins in a row now. And frankly, couldn't agree more. Like, that wasn't necessarily the quote that I expected, considering that we looked a little, you know, and we're going to get into this later on in the review of the game, but we did have moments where we looked a little sloppy. And I do wish that we could clean that up a little bit better. But yeah, I am so happy that Pavisic kind of, was the guy to clean up those mistakes and really didn't let them capitalize as they did in the game before. Right. So, yeah, so let's get, like, get back into this breakdown. So uh, this one started pretty similar to the first. So um, very early in the first period, we had uh, a Moro shot from the high slot that uh, in real time looked like he sniped the corner. I think it ended up going off Garrett Waite, but uh, really nice to get on the board very early in the first yeah, again, I mean, it was Moro being just the the dynamic playmaker that we all know that he can be. I mean, that's just his game is just taking the puck from the point and making plays happen. Um, he did that wonderfully. It was a good shot by him. And Waite just kind of happened to be there. I mean, I shouldn't say just happened to be there. That that That's his area. You know what I mean? He's responsible for that front of the net area where he always gets those goals. He got a nice tip. You know, these things happen. Sometimes you don't plan it. Sometimes you do plan it, but you can't complain whenever it goes in. Absolutely. Yeah, just right right place, right time. It uh, creates a lot of goals, and UMass is pretty well known for those those greasy, goal, greasy goals in front, just good positioning. Uh, it really makes things happen. After after the Moro uh, power play goal, or the, the weight, sorry, power play goal off the assist from Moro, um, seemed like there were a lot of penalties after this, a lot of dumb penalties from UMass. Um, weight had a penalty that uh, got reviewed for a major. I didn't think it looked all too bad, but uh, a penalty there. And uh, the UMass was lucky. LIU um, kind of shot themselves in the foot a bunch of times, um, got penalties on power plays in their offensive zone, uh, which kind of helped UMass out, but pretty undisciplined in the first period and throughout this game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if I'm trying to find the penalty summary right here, I noticed a name that popped up a lot, at least for us, was Ty Farmer. Um, that happened a good amount for us this game, and I think he was our only penalty in the previous game against LIU as well. And but we'll obviously we'll we'll get into that a little bit later because we have some thoughts on that. But um, yeah, penalties were certainly a big part of the game. Um, sometimes it was for our benefit, sometimes not to our benefit. But overall, I mean, I still think it was a pretty fairly rough game. You know, we can't really complain about any any of the calls for the most part. So. Kudos right. to the refs on that front. 
Yeah, I I didn't disagree with any of the calls that went against UMass in this game. And uh, still kudos to UMass. They uh, the PK looked really good, especially in this first period. Um, definitely limited the chances for uh, LIU. They didn't get too many high quality shots. And overall, I think I think UMass pretty handily uh, dominated this period. The score was only one nothing, but I think um, they definitely looked like the better team. And uh, at this point, we had thought it was only time before before they pulled away for a bigger lead. Yeah, definitely. And that ended up happening again. Uh, Garrett Waite. <laughs> I mean, just again, it's great to see him on the score sheet. I mean, he was playing very well for most of this game, I feel like. So it was definitely deserved on him. Yeah. So, yeah, as we get into the second, Waite uh, scored a second goal. Uh, just an absolute snipe from, from the left slot. And uh, that's not really the goal that we're accustomed to seeing him scoring in those spots. We, like you said before, he's usually kind of around the crease in the dirty areas, but uh, pretty cool to see him, see him get that goal. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a really good assist by, I'm pretty sure it was Lapina on that one from behind the net. I mean, he just happened to find Garraway just kind of sitting there uncovered. And I mean, it was a great shot by him. He had all the time in the world to get it off and he put off a really good shot and beat the goalie pretty, pretty clean. Yep. Yeah, and then uh, there's there's something that we want to look look more into for the screenshot. But there was a point in middle of the second period where uh, the puck the puck squirted out kind of in the in the slot, and Kessel came in for a a slap shot bomb about ten feet from the from the crease. It just was a really funny visual. It didn't end up going in. Kudos to the LIU player that got the block on that one. But uh, we thought that was a pretty funny funny moment halfway through the game. Yeah, especially for a series that had so many goals scored by UMass. It, it's kind of shocking to me that I have to say that that was probably my favorite moment of the series. <laughs> like you just, <laughs> you see just a massive pileup of people in front of the goalie and the puck is just kind of squirting out towards the point and you just see like Kessel's literally sprinting at this puck. Like if you could sprint on skates, that was exactly what he was doing. Complete windup. It looked like the NHL hardest slap shot competition, <laughs> but this time it had a target dummy essentially in front of the net. And the poor guy just takes a clean Kessel bomb off of his kneecap, essentially. I don't know how the hell he skated back to the bench. It was an unbelievable moment. And I feel so bad for the guy that was in front of that shot. Oh yeah. We're going to try to get a screen grab of that moment. So look out, look out for that. It should be a pretty funny picture. Um, yeah. But at this point in the second, uh, UMass is up to nothing. Uh, feeling pretty good. Uh, still a little frustrating with some more penalties in this period. And uh, the frustration kind of grew because um, LIU uh, in their offensive zone skated in, uh, kind of went around a couple, couple defenders and uh, tucked in a goal to make it two to one. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of, I don't blame Pavisic for this goal at all. I mean, it was a case of a guy basically just skating in, finding his way into the high slot. I think it was Harding was trying to kind of do some sort of weird, like one knee. I'm going to totally sell out to block this shot. And the LIU player just said, nah, I'm not going to let that happen. And just kind of skirted around him. It was a great shot. There really wasn't much that Pavisic could do. Don't blame him in the slightest. Defense could have been a little bit tighter, but I mean, sometimes these plays just happen. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, that that took us in the second intermission with UMass up two to one. And uh, I think we talked about it in the intermission. I think uh, we started to see at this point in the game that uh, this might be a case of UMass maybe playing down to their opponent. Um, seems like uh, like we've talked about it in the preview and in this episode so far. Like LIU is a team you should probably be beating pretty handily in the 
kind of looked like UMass wasn't wasn't the UMass hockey that that we have gotten to know well this season. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I would agree. Um, it's a little tough to see that, and I mean, you'll probably touch upon it a little bit more. It is a little bit of a recurring theme. Um, I guess the only counterpoint that I would have to that would be the fact that hockey's a weird game, man. Like sometimes we have games. We go we go to Northeastern, we beat them six nothing, and then sometimes we play teams like LIU at home. We win three one. Like things are just super weird. Anything can happen. So right, it's, absolutely, it's this, weird. It, it doesn't concern me for the the future going forward for this. I mean, take a do take a look at the series. A lot of a lot of weird things. I mean, especially the first game, almost empty besides the student section. You don't have the student section risers down. Um, even even something like LIU's uniforms being looking so weird and mismatched. It just seemed like kind of a kind of a weird couple games. Um, I'm not I'm not really holding too much weight onto this, but uh, just thought just thought we'd point that out. It seemed like UMass wasn't fully playing up to their potential uh, in this one. And uh, yeah, so that takes us into the third period. A um, lot more, a couple, couple more penalties, some more undisciplined play that we noticed uh, until we got uh, just an elite pass from Colin Felix to, to Baker, which led to a Mercury goal, which was a really feel-good goal in the third period. Yeah, no, this, I mean... The, the, the term I think one would think of is just tic-tac-toe. Mm-hmm. Like, you have Colin Felix up at the point. Pretty sure he kind of finds, like, a cross-life diagonal-type pass over to Baker, who I think Baker didn't play that bad this game. No. You know, he, he was a scratch last game, comes in, and, I mean, as you can see, he's on the score sheet. You know, you really can't complain about that. Gets the pass over from Felix, tosses it over in front of the net. Mercury, big dude, 6'3" like 200 pounds, big guy, power forward type of dude, just powers at home. Lovely goal. No complaints at all. Yeah. And I, uh, I think what you can, what you can expect to be a somewhat of a revolving door for that, that fourth line winger spot. I think it was a good performance from Baker today. Like you said, um, didn't, didn't really notice anything, anything bad from his play, a couple big hits. Uh, so I thought that was a good step from him and, uh, that ended up being the final score. So UMass wins three to one. I, I think we definitely have to give props to Pavisic on this one. Just a, a great showing in his first college start. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't like to disagree with Carvel too much. He's he's the coach. I I trust this team, you know, wholeheartedly under his leadership. But I think I think when I look at his quote that was just posted, and he says that the game was was dealt with very well defensively. I I think there were still quite a few mistakes. Like one one that really um, kind of sticks out to me. We had the puck behind the net in our zone. Um, I want to say it was Farmer with the puck. And he tries to kind of, you know, skate out, try and do a breakout pass, immediately runs into the other defenseman. They just, they just immediately, like, these are, these are day one mistakes, guys. Like, these are things that if we play against any other team, they're going to capitalize on that. You, this is one thing that needs to be cleaned up. Like, you can't have turnovers in your own D zone like that. It, it scares me. Like there was a couple of opportunities where Pavisic just comes up big. You know, he's a pretty big guy. He's six, three. I'm pretty sure big presence in that. And it came up very, very well, you know, in this, in this game. And I feel like the, these are things that just absolutely need to get cleaned up because if, if it really is a frozen four type of scenario and we're playing teams like Duluth 
you know, Quinnipiac, Michigan, Minnesota State, whoever, they're going to capitalize on those chances. We're lucky that these, that these mistakes were made against LIU. And I'm hoping that we can obviously learn from that. But that's definitely something we need to clean up, in my opinion. I am worried about it. Right. And I think, I think we'd be remiss not to talk about uh, LIU as we look at this series as a whole. I think, um, I think they played a lot better than we expected. I think they were pretty well coached from everything that I saw. Uh, they definitely made it hard on UMass for, for both of these games. They, they drew a lot of penalties. Um, they, like we, like we thought it would be in the series preview, they got really physical. Um, I, I think they, they kind of exceeded our expectations this weekend. Yeah, no, I don't want to take anything away from LIU at all. I mean, people might think, you know, people that are watching this might think that we're being a little more, or at least maybe just me, being a bit more overly critical than we need to be on the team. But I think it's a case of just, I want UMass hockey to be the best that it can be. They need to play to that high character standard. And just, I, I think I did underestimate LIU a little bit. You know, the pairwise doesn't obviously tell the whole story. They came up, they, I mean, when you look at the keys to the game, they really did just kind of play fluid. They really just said, you know what? Yeah, we are the underdog. We're going to try our best. And I think they did pretty well in that case. Yeah. I think they did a great, great job kind of disrupting momentum. And uh, really, I, I think we should look at this from the perspective. Uh, UMass got two wins this weekend. Um, UMass didn't lose any, any ground in the pairwise in the national rankings. Um Always good to get wins. Great to get Pavisic a start. That maybe it could be an option you go to as you play some of the lesser hockey East East teams uh, going forward. And I think uh, should definitely look to take some positives out of this weekend. Hundred percent. Cool. So let's uh, let's move on to the awards. So uh, first award we do here is Carvel's Character and Compete Award. Um, so basically, who's the most high character guy of the weekend? And uh, I, I think I think you, we have to give it to Bobby this weekend after that that five point performance in game one and just more of the same dominance in game two. You, you can't not give it to the guy who has five points in a single game. There's just you you don't do that. Like he was he was the dominating force out there. He was driving ninety five percent of the offense in that first game, and he certainly was doing his job in the second game too. You know he's the top line guy for a reason. He plays with a lot of edge. He plays with a lot of speed and a lot of skill. And that's what you need on your top line. Right. His, his presence on the ice is, is pretty unmatched. When he's out there, you know he's out there. You see it with the speed. You see it with the, um, the, the lateral movement on the ice, the quick moves, the spin arounds, everything like that. It's just we've become so accustomed to it, but I really still uh, marvel on it anytime we get to watch him. He's just really turned into quite the com- complete player. Yeah, and I think, I think the other thing that a lot of people may not, or at least I don't see it mentioned as much, is just he doesn't really commit turnovers. Mm-hmm. Like, he, you don't usually catch him holding onto the puck for too long and allowing himself to get kind of closed down upon. He is very good at using his, his body, which, granted, isn't that big in hockey terms. It was like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, but he's so strong on the puck. It's unbelievable. Like, he, look, he plays like a massive guy out there in the corners. He doesn't get bumped off the pucks that easily. He's really good at using his body to shield the puck. He rarely gives it up, and he always tends to have that vision to find a guy out of the corner. It's it's uncanny to me the way that he's able to play. Absolutely, and this is a series where uh, 
there's a couple guys that uh, we could think about giving it to, but like you said, uh, definitely have to give it to the guy that had five points in one game. That was just a, a great effort from Bobby this weekend. 100%. And that, that kind of moves us into the, um, the nice try UMass award, somebody who we want to see a little bit of improvement going forward into the next game. Um, and I think we have to give it to Ty Farmer today, unfortunately. Um, in the first game, like you said, he had the only penalty called against UMass. Um, and then today in the first period, uh, he had just a really dumb uh, roughing penalty that was basically just him uh, checking the guy out of the floor and taunting him afterwards. Um, just, and he, uh, he also had a moment today where in the third kind of lost the puck in his legs right in front of the goal, which very nearly led to the goal. So, uh, yeah, we just like to see a little bit more disciplined play from him going forward. Yeah. I think that's the key is discipline. Like when you say you want to see someone play better, I don't think it's necessarily a case of playing better. We know how skilled he is. We know he has a good, you know, mental game when it comes to the game of hockey, but just the discipline, man, it was, he was frustrating to watch this weekend, you know, and that's not to say that he played poorly, but again, it's the discipline. Like you have to be smarter than that out there. I think that could be something that Carvel singles out and talks to him about, you know, he's, he's a senior, you know, he's been around this, this type of stuff before he has to set a good example. And I, I don't think he set a very disciplined and good example this weekend in terms of clean discipline hockey play. Right. And I think it's a uh, somewhat of a trend that we, we might have to address uh, our, we did the Providence and Lowell game recaps. And now this series recap here um, and we've given the nice try UMass award to three defensemen so far. And I mean uh, the, the, the last four games that are in question here have all been generally high scoring. So uh, that might be something of note for UMass to improve upon uh, with the lighter schedule coming up is the, the work from the D men. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, that's not to say that our decor isn't strong. I mean, we have an amazing decor. It's just a case of we really need to let the older guys step up and set a good example. Like a lot of our offense has been generated through freshman defensemen. You know, if you want to be a top tier elite program like that, I feel like you kind of have to spread the wealth out a little bit more. Like, of course, you're going to let your high, you know, your high level guys make plays. But I think depth really needs to come through and to be that solid rock you know, defensively to let those other offensive defensemen shine. Because obviously if you let all of your, you know, offensive, or I shouldn't say all, but a good majority of your offensive opportunities run through highly skilled defensemen, you got to be able to cover on the back end as well. And as we see through this LIU series, a couple of goals were going in off of odd man rushes. Mm -hmm. And on a couple of those, I did see Scott Morrow kind of lagging behind trying to get back. And that's not to blame him necessarily, but we have to be able to rotate backwards as a team and be able to cover those sorts of opportunities. It's a risk and reward type play, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think I think we've seen in this series in the last few games as a whole, UMass get exposed a little bit. Um, doesn't really concern me for the future too much, but just something to tighten up as, as the, the regular season goes on here. Yeah, luckily we still have a lot of time to do that. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, so let's move into our custom award. And uh, this award, the award for this series is going to be called. Uh... <laughs> you want me to explain it, Cam? I think I can do yeah, it. Yeah, you just go for yeah. it. I, I, I gotcha. I, I'd like to take a little bit of credit on this one. I like to call this the chicken with his head cut off award. And that is going to someone who has definitely been 
climbing up my power rankings in terms of younger UMass players that I think are really going to make an impact. And that is Ryan Lautenbach. He's played extremely well as of late. I think he has very high work rate. You know, this is kind of leading into the name of the award. Man skating around literally like a chicken with his head cut off. He will just go into any corner. He will forecheck like an absolute animal, you know, complete maniac, if you will. Yeah, that is, this is not a bad thing. This no, is this thing. is amazing. I'm, this is not a case <laughs> of me saying that he is running around like a crazy man with absolutely no, you know, sense of intellect in his body. This man is playing just a man possessed. You know, he will, he's skating as fast as anybody on this team as a freshman. That is extremely interesting to see, in my opinion. And he is just playing so, like, he's not necessarily showing up crazily on the score sheet. He doesn't have to be. He's playing, in, and this might be a hot take. I mentioned this to Cam while we were watching the game. He is reminding me a lot like Bobby Trevino. I think just his ability to forecheck and have a very high work rate and work ethic is extremely impressive to me because those things, like, the work rate thing, you can't teach, in my opinion. That, that has to just be within you mentally and just internally. And if he already has that and he has these, you know, skills like speed and he has very solid hands too. The man can score. We saw that a couple of games ago, I'm pretty sure. He absolutely nipped one on the rush. Like, he, he's looking very good, in my opinion. I'm super excited to see what the future holds for him. And that's why I think that this award should go to him. Yeah, and I, I think we're both kind of of the opinion that uh, Lautenbach has really been under the radar this season, not getting a lot of a lot of credit uh, for what he's doing this season, not showing up too much on the score sheet, like you said, but uh, really raising our eyebrows at least. And uh, his speed and his presence on the ice has definitely been felt in a very good way. Yeah, couldn't be couldn't be happier for him. I think he has a lot to offer in his next couple of years of eligibility. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, me too. So, uh, cool. I think that's, I think that's everything we have on, on the two games. Anything, anything else you want to talk about? No, I just, you know, can't, can't complain about a sweep. You know, we, we might've done a little bit of complaining this episode, but I think it was from a, from a case of looking towards the future. Mm -hmm. If you want to stay in the now right now, you say, yeah, two wins is two wins. Very cool. But I think if we want to be that elite level team that I know we can be to win another natty, we're going to have to clean a couple things up. And, and I'm happy that we're, we're seeing it now rather than later because the more time we give Carvel to kind of fix these small things, the better off we're going to be in the future, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah, and let's look towards the future because uh, UMass has uh, the week off before a uh, weekend set with Maine. Maine is coming down to Amherst for uh, a Friday and Saturday series. Uh, Maine, as we know, not not very high in hockey East standings, not very high in pairwise. Uh, so maybe another chance for UMass to um, maybe maybe refine some things that they're working on while also not taking their foot off the gas. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, that's basically all I have for my thoughts, Cam. Unless you have anything else. No, I think I think that's it for this series. Uh, I did want to jump into the the hockey East um, scoreboard for this weekend. Sounds good. Yeah. So a really weird looking hockey East schedule uh, as compared to, to a normal one. So a lot of normally we're used to seeing series uh, like home and home uh, or when Maine or Vermont comes down, uh, they play twice somewhere, but uh, yeah, there were a lot of mismatches 
this weekend. So I'll, I'll go into Fridays and then Saturdays. So uh, Friday, UMass Lowell beat BC uh, 3-2. BU beat Maine 4 to nothing in Boston. Merrimack beat New Hampshire 5-2 to at Merrimack. Northeastern beat Vermont 5-4 to uh, at Matthews. And UConn beat Providence 2-1 to down in Hartford. And then uh, for Saturday, the matchups kind of flipped. Uh, so Merrimack beat Maine 5-0 at Merrimack. Providence beat Vermont 4-1 to uh, at Providence. UConn beat New Hampshire 6-1 to up in New Hampshire. And uh, UMass Lowell beat Dartmouth six to three at Lowell. I hate I hate to look forward too much, but uh, I do like the the path to first place in the Hockey East that UMass has here in the last four or so weekends of the season. Yeah, and that was definitely enabled, I think, by the 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 UMass win against Lowell. Mm-hmm. Like, if if we didn't win that game, we would have been pretty screwed. I feel like going into the the standings. I mean, it still would have been possible, but it would have been a lot tougher. And I don't think we would have technically had a, I guess, our fate in our own hands, as they say, you know, because they, they usually tend to talk about things where if you, you know, go undefeated, then you just automatically win Hockey East at that point. Like, meaning, like, you know, the, the game's going forward. So it was definitely right. a big win. Yeah, that win was absolutely vital. And as we, uh, as we look at the Hockey East standings, they're very tight at the moment. UMass Lowell has 37 points. Uh, UMass has 33. BU has 32. Merrimack and Providence have 30 uh, and Northeastern and Yukon have 29. So very, very bunched up in there. There's going to be a lot to, a lot to figure out as we go through these last couple weeks of the regular season. All right. Any, any last thoughts? Good weekend. Good to get two dubs. Definitely. All right, cool. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, Look forward to the next series we have against Maine and uh, look out for a little surprise uh, on the podcast coming midweek. All righty. Go UMass, everybody. Take care as always. Go UMass. See you guys.